Hello, and welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. It is another coffee and comics edition. I'm Todd A. And I'm Taylor Trask. How are you, Todd? I am very tired. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually doing this in the morning, um, and I do not have any coffee with me. What? Uh, I know. Um, (laughs) But it's coffee and comics, Todd. You must have coffee. I didn't trust my milk. (laughs) Oh, all right. Um, What about you? What are you drinking? Well... I might as well be drinking nothing. I'm actually in the uh, at a Brentwood Suites um, uh, Hilton Hotel thing in Nashville this weekend, and I am drinking the breakfast blend, courtesy of Brentwood Suites. Ooh, is, is that a Keurig? <laughs> y- yes, yes, it is, and it's just as every bit as mediocre as you could you could imagine. But I'm like, I have to have my coffee. Uh, so basically, it's it's a this will, we'll just count this chalk this up as a weak coffee episode. So I've um, never, I've never had a Keurig, um, and part of it is, uh, I, you know, I'm always like, when people will s- remark that something is bad from a Keurig, I'm like, huh, I would have thought that coffee kept forever in a little plastic cup <laughs> would be pretty bad. Like, when, why yeah, is it ever yeah. good? So my question is like, is it just passable as coffee sometimes, and that's what? you know, yeah. wins people over. Like, they're like, Hey, it's kind of like coffee. And I, Oh, it only took 30 seconds to make. <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, it's, it's not good by okay. any stretch of the imagination. It's just, and, 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 you know, you wonder how long, you know, at the end of the day, the best coffee is always freshly ground. And if you can, if you want to go even one step further in the hipster spectrum, the best coffee is as close to roasting as you can get. I've seen some of those coffee shops now, like will literally roast right in front of you yeah. and then grind it and everything. So it's like, uh, you wonder how long these things have been, you know, like they ground it, like what, back in 2013? It's just been sitting in there. Yeah, like, and you never like know. The most insane waste with just all these little plastic cups. Yes. Thank oh, you. Dude. Thank yeah. you. Anyway, I'll get off my high coffee horse. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I, I don't know how many times we should keep introing this, but I think it's always good for the new listener that in uh, Taylor and I have a regular podcast where we talk about all sorts of things. And very frequently we do coffee and comics where we each pick one comic and we talk about that comic for the episode. We don't know what the other has picked. Um, Taylor, what is your pick this morning? <clears throat> well, Todd, I, this is one. You know, I've, I've done it again. I've thrown it at you <laughs> when the notes say I go first, but well, it's too late please. now. Yeah, it's I know. Too late now. I um this is one that's going to be a digital pick. Um, it exists in physic in the physical space Ooh. too. But this is one that I I discovered digitally, and uh, I even I even tried to get a version of it physically, and it's just not as good. Like it 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 is definitely a digital friendly uh, comic. Oh, now I know and what that, it is. <laughs> and that is well, it, and that is um, and it's it's weird too because I had to pick. Uh, you know, typically when we do. Um, uh, you know, this show, we try to pick an issue or a trade, you know, uh, volume. And this is, I kind of want to shed light on the entire series, but for those listening who want to jump in, obviously I'll, I'll, I'll just start with trade paperback one. And that is the series postal. Oh, that's is, not what I expected. Yeah. It's, it's postal. Um, it's by top cow and it's written by Matt Hawkins, Brian Hill. And, um, I forget who got, I think the, the, uh, Art changes. Isaac Goodhart is the art. So Matt Hawkins, Brian Hill, and then the covers are, um, you know, kind of rotate. I think the most of them are by Linda Sedgick. Uh, but this is this is a series that demands to be uh, a TV series. It, it's like the best TV series you'll ever read. 
Uh, and I discovered it, it came out, it's it funny, it was announced in, um, if I recall this correctly, I had to pull up Wikipedia to remember, remember how this goes. Um, it was announced in November 2014. It was supposed to just be a limited run, like little four issue thing. And it was so successful, they, they pushed it to an ongoing series um, you know, later in 2015, because the first, I think the first issue sold out almost immediately. And uh, for good reason too, because this thing, it, again, it, it's, it's the best HBO series or Netflix series you'll never read. However, just this morning, and I feel silly for only just now discovering this, um, it was announced that uh, Hulu was gonna be uh, developing the, the actual property for, for, uh, for, this, for the screen, if you will. So that right now it's in development. It's probably has been in development for a couple months now. Um, and I look forward to that greatly. So it'll be, and it's gonna be interesting because Hulu did fairly well with The Handmaid's Tale. Um, and they've had some other you know, minor hits here and there. So this, this will be probably Hulu's, one, you know, one of their, this may be their walking dead. This may be the thing that makes them if they do it correctly. Because everything, is, everything in the book is, is set up. The characters are diverse. It's a giant ensemble cast. Let me backtrack though, because I always try to get into the weeds before I kind of give the, the overview of the story. Basically what it, what it is, is in a, there's this little town called Eden, Wyoming, which is set up and it's a secret town. It's not on any map. Um, you, you know, it's very hard to get there. The town has been set up to be a haven for ex-criminals, ex-convicts, um, everything from murder down to, you know, down, you know, down to, uh, you know, just regular uh, breaking and entering. And these criminals come here for a base, you know, to try to find some peace, to try to just live out the rest of their lives and coexist. And it's run by this woman named Lara, uh, Laura Chiffron, who's the mayor. She was one of the two, she and her husband, Isaac, set the town up uh, way back when. And her son, Mark, who is kind of the main character, is the postal boy. So the whole idea you know, that the series named Postal um, comes from that. He's the po he, you know, he runs the post office, he delivers the mail. And Mark has a very interesting form of Asperger's that gives him Sherlock Holmes-like deductive skills. And also, you know, has the, all the personality kind of quirks and, and social anxiety that comes along with that. And so he's he's there, and he's you know very naive. And Laura, his mother, the mayor of the town, she does her best to kind of like keep him sheltered and guarded. And you know, the whole thing is about his um, sort of emergence as a man, his emergence as a you know as as her mother and father's son. Now the dad Isaac, um, especially in volume one, which is kind of what I'm going to focus on, Isaac is it's not quite clear where he went or why he was banished. Um, you know, there's, he's spoken about in kind of hushed tones, like kind of like Voldemort. It's just like, you know, Isaac, we can't talk too much about him at some point though, in volume one, you do meet Isaac. Um, and he's always in the shadows and he's always, you know, he basically, it sets it up to be, you know, he has some kind of huge grudge against Laura. She banished him from Eden and he's using Mark, and Laura's using Mark as kind of like a pawn between the two of them. So not only is Mark that character, he's trying to discover who he is, and at the same time, he's solving some of these crimes in the, in the town. And right away in issue one um, of volume one, so chapter one of volume one, um, there's a murder. There's this girl who's murdered outside of this church, and Mark has to deduce who this girl is, why she's been murdered. And of course, doing so in a town full of convicts is not an easy thing. So this is just the beginning of an entire series, right? I think they're up to volume six or seven on the trades. Really? The main, main reason I brought this up though, or the reason I wanted to jump into it now, let me just go real quick. Yeah, volume, I think they're on volume six um, or volume trade volume uh, six had just released. They're much like East of West, they're starting to kind of head into their end game though. Um, 
so this is this is kind of you know it's not not quite there yet so if you want to jump in but still feel the excitement of new issues coming down the pike this is a great time to do it and these these are really really consumable especially on an iPad or a, a mobile device i there there's a cinematic quality to the um, panels that if you read it it doesn't doesn't have that same sense like you need it you need that comicsology or amazon kindle like um, you know, uh, a okay. panel view where it's it highlights each individual panel so you can focus on it because it, it's it feels so much like a show. That's the best way. To, like I, I tried it. I actually bought uh, I think volume two as a paperback. I just couldn't wasn't as as engaging. Um, you need that. You need the pacing. You need to be able to control it. You can't really see what's coming up next. Like it's it's such a cat and mouse kind of thing. And it's it's a detective story. It's also a you know, like a, it's it's almost like what was that show on HBO with uh, McConaughey and True um, Detective. True Detective. It's a lot, a lot of True Detective. Um, there's so like it's a, totally it, like reality based. It's not. There's no yes. powers or or magic or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's that's good to clarify. This is definitely just a tr a very you know very grounded drama, and they paint this picture so well. Like the the character that uh, Volume One sets up the town and the premise and the characters so well. Um, which is important because there are so many characters in this town and some of them you meet, you know, some of them you may just see in, as background characters and then they come around, you know, two or three volumes later, they become much more interesting or they, you know, much more, you know, front and center. Um, and they're always there. So you kind of really need that to you know, sink your teeth into this concept. And as it builds out, they keep adding more and more layers, which is just, it's so satisfying. And then, and it, it's, it feels like they had this immaculately planned out to start with. I don't think they did. I just I think they've just done a really good job of being mindful of what, you know, the threads that are out there. And it, it feels like they even have a writer's room for this. You know, all these all these issues feel like actual episodes of a TV show. Um, so it's so if you think of Volume One as Season One, it's it is a hell of a ride. I actually, it's funny. Um, I flew down here yesterday and I was catching back up on it. Um, and the first time I consumed this was on a flight from I think like Nashville to California or something or Nashville to uh or no, I'm sorry Denver to California or Denver to Minnesota um so I was able to to blaze through this on an airplane but it's it is it is so much fun I dare not get into too many plot details just because it's such a if you like Sherlock if you like true detective like this is definitely one of those shows and I I don't want to spoil too much because of the you know there's lots of twists and turns um lots of that kind of stuff I will say there's another character called Maggie who works at a diner. So like, you know, this town's set up, everybody who, who lives in the town has to have a job. You know, some of the, some of the criminals, because the, the entire town is criminals. There's not a single person living there who's just a regular person. Like it's, it's intentionally set up for this. And it's interesting too, because the FBI kind of keeps a blind eye or turns a blind eye to the town. As long as Laura keeps the peace, um, they're willing to let her just kind of, you know, this is just a, a thing that they let happen. Uh, as the story progresses, that becomes less and less the case. So there's that that flashpoint's kind of building in the background too. But there's this diner and there's this woman, uh, young woman named Maggie, who's Mark's age, who works there. And he's got this sort of crush on her too. But it's some of the panels are hilarious because their, their relationship builds over the course of the series. Um, you know, for better and for worse, but he never, it's never like this weird, you know, it's never like he's suddenly romantic. Like he's constantly, you know, trying to try to channel some kind of normalcy through his, through his Asperger's. And like one of the, um, you know, I'm trying to pull it up here. One of the panels, um, you know, he's sitting in the diner discussing, you know, what she's interested in the case that he's working on. Like after this woman dies or this woman's murdered and he comes in and they're, they're having a chat over, over breakfast. And he goes, your makeup looks better today. Yesterday it made your cheeks look fat. 
And she tells him, she's like, you shouldn't tell someone their cheeks look fat, Mark. He said, I, and he replies, I said they looked fat yesterday. Most of the time you don't look fat at all. So it's like the way he, it's, it's the way, you know, it's, it's, if you've ever dealt with somebody with Asperger's or, you know, you have a friend or a family member, it's, you know, on the extreme side of the spectrum, like that, that is kind of what it is. Like they just, he doesn't have that sort of social empathy at all. He does, he just doesn't understand. Um, so it's interesting to see him try to you know make friends or allies in the town um and then also at the same time be thought of as somebody important or thought of as somebody who could maybe succeed his mother one day and so like a lot of this is is about that it's like what does he do how does he gain trust how does he you know at some point he's got to rebel against his mom who's trying to keep him you know kind of pigeonholed and then his dad you know mark is not a criminal though right no and i take and i apologize yeah he's the only person who doesn't have a criminal history but even um, Maggie does. Yeah, Maggie does. Okay. And you learn and 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 you know, over the course of time, you learn, maybe if they don't introduce it right away, you learn what each person's past is. Right. Um, which is kind yeah. of kind of interesting because at some point you you might meet a character here like, well, that person's not so bad. You know, maybe this guy who's just kind of hanging out in the woods and he's offering some you know, folksy wisdom. And then, like, you know, a couple issues later, maybe a volume later, you dive into his story and you're like, oh Jesus. So it just kind of you're never it's 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 tricky because you want to kind of gleam onto you know you, you know characters that you can relate to or empathize with and then they'll twist the you know, twist the tires on you and, and and likewise there's this like you know big cliche muscly bound white supremacist with all the Nazi tattoos who's done some terrible terrible things but then at some point he may you know he may do some something redeemable you know so there's all of that going on too while they're uh, trying to you know there's the 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 core story is Mark's evolution. And then his his uh, mom, and then you know Isaac, his dad, you know who comes in from time to his, his Isaac is never omnipresent. They always refer to him in hushed tones, and like once in a while he'll appear, um, you know, through the shadows and stuff. But he's always this like bigger than life, larger than life character. And so you're always trying to figure out like what his deal is, what's his, what is his end game? You don't know. You know, is he is he really good somehow? Like it's never quite clear. Eventually, that that sort of gets fleshed out a little bit more in, in later volumes. So when you talk uh, about the how the everyone's crime becomes apparent, is it done in a like a, a sort of graphic treatment, or do they just does the narrative just sort of flashback or something to explain it? Uh both. So oh, okay. so, so sometimes you'll see like a, a dude, uh, and, and maybe the maybe like an issue will focus on like a guy. You know, you know that may you know, the mayor Laura needs something from, and you know she'll talk to him and and she's like you know you remember you owe me that favor and it will flash back to what he did and how she uh-huh. you know, snuck him away and like why that is maybe in another issue like there's a character who they're trying to set up to just be just shitty and so they'll show him doing something in the present that's like oh uh, and then he you know he crosses Laura basically once you get to Eden um, you can't continue you basically have to you have to be you know, you, you have to mind yourself. You can't do anything uh, from your past. You know, if you were, you know, if you're a, a child predator or something, like you can't do that anymore. And if you cross, if you break those rules, like you're you're banished um, from town. And, and Laura, it's interesting. Laura's, you know, she's portrayed as kind of this like, um, you know, beautiful hardened woman. And at first, and she's got kind of an elegance about her. And then, you know, she, as the mayor, she's, you can kind of see why people respect her, but she doesn't really, you kind of wonder every once in a while, like, how is she able to keep this group of deviants like under control? Like she hasn't. And then, and then when, just as you're, you're thinking like, is this just, is, why is this? She'll do something herself that makes you go, holy crap. Like that, you know, she'll put them all in her, in their place somehow. So it's all, it's like mind games. And like, you know, at the same time too, she's, 
And you know, people characters will do things to kind of reestablish their power, just much like you would in a prison, like an actual prison drama. You know, you always have to kind of do something to to show yourself to be the alpha or to, you know, make sure you don't get messed with. A lot of that same prison dynamic is is apparent in Eden. It's just it's a town where people can, you know, kind of live freely, but it's still that you know, she's the warden essentially at the end of the day. So um, how are the how are the um like the the crimes or the mysteries that Mark's solving, are they are they all? Are there like many little ones that sort of add up to this bigger one, or are there just different crimes that he investigates? They are. They are all. Every everything that he does in that respect is related to a, a bigger arc, um, and that arc is is typically one of two things: what is his father Isaac trying to do to the town, or okay. what is the FBI trying to do? to get at the town. Cause like not, it's not like the whole FBI knows this place exists. There's like this one agent who has struck a deal with Laura to keep, to keep Eden quiet as long as she keeps Eden quiet. But other people in the FBI, as the story goes on, other, other members of the FBI start to get a sniff of it. And so that agent's trying to, you know, block their, you know, block their investigation or, or lead them off the, you know, the path or something. Meanwhile, there will always be like other maybe side stories of like, maybe, for example, at one point later on, that white supremacist guy talked about like the you know the people he betrayed are going to come to town to get him, and Laura's you know Laura's doesn't want that because that will you know that will anything like that will put Eden on the map again. She doesn't want that. So there maybe there's like a whole mini arc of them trying to keep those people away or trying to circumvent that, and then that that could go back to what you know Mark more and more is kind of the mastermind behind some of these solutions. So you see kind of like this. This and then at the same time too, uh, you know Maggie, the girl at the diner, he likes. She has aspirations for power too. So it's kind of like this Game of Thronesy sort of like you know chess chess game going on. While at the same time, um, these bigger you know these these two big arcs of the FBI and Isaac are building you know slowly but but surely. And it's it's not like they're dragging it out. It's a very satisfying satisfying slow build. So it's it's just like every volume ends, and you're like you you want to binge this thing. Um, it's just so satisfying, and so again, it feels just like the best TV show you haven't watched on TV yet. I keep getting the, and this is just because of the <laughs> nature of where our interests intersect. Uh, I keep getting this feeling as I try as I try to like envision this town of. Um, one of those fundamentalist Mormon towns where they ah. everyone in town is basically a Mormon and, and everyone understands like it's polygamist and uh, a little shady and they're probably ripping off the government's, um, you know, food stamp program, but it's just sort of like allowed to exist. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was that one? What Like the Jim Jeffords community in that one. Uh, what was oh, oh Warren Jeffs. Is Warren Jeffs. I'm sorry. Sorry, Jim Jeffords. <laughs> Not you. Um, yeah, the Warren Jeffs. Uh, there's that documentary about that Warren Jeffs town in like Utah or whatever it was. Kind of reminds me a lot of that. It also strangely reminds me of I, you and I may have talked about this a year or two ago. There was this other documentary that popped up on Netflix called Welcome to Lathe, which is about this little town oh. in, in Lathe, North Dakota. That was just a regular little town completely off the radar. I think it had like maybe, you know, 100, 200 people living there. But these white supremacists started to move in and buy up property and stuff. And it became this like whole thing. If you ever, if you want a great documentary, go find that. Because it's, it's wow. if you came from a small town, it's a chilling little story. Um, but it's just that sort of reminded me of it too, where it's like, here's this town where this is happening and nobody in the rest of the country, seem, you know, pays any notice. It's just like nobody knows. And when you, if you've ever driven through Wyoming, which I have numerous times, 
it's very, very easy to just, you know, I could easily see this town existing because it could just be off the radar. No, you know, some yeah. lone little highway or dirt road to get there. Um, and, and there you are. So it's, it's a lot like that. Um, but again, nobody's, it, you as a, as a general passerby couldn't just stumble onto it. You know, it's not like Google maps isn't going to have like, you know, here's Eden. It's not on any, it's not part of the tax register. It's like, nobody knows it's there. It's just, it's, it was set up for this purpose. And the other thing I'm not, and I, I feel bad. I don't quite recall the circumstances that allow certain people to live there. I think you have to kind of know or, or through the grapevine know that it exists and maybe make an appeal to Laura and then she moves you in. It's, it, it's not, it's not, they don't just take all comers. I think it's very specific who they take and why. Um, and I, I totally have blanked on like what that is. It's not that, that isn't quite as essential to the story. Hmm. Uh, but just, the, and it's, you know, you may think too, based on other things that I like that this is like, it's just like another Western. It's not, it's not, doesn't have any Western motifs. Um, there's, you know, you may think, Kind of the way there, you know, there's some moments that kind of harken back to that, but it's not set up intentionally to be that kind of a story. It's very much more, and it's got some. I don't want to just, I don't want to just lump it in with True Detective completely because it does have some mo some weird moments of levity. You know, it's almost like um, I could easily see this being a Coen Brothers movie. You know, where there's like it's dark as hell, but it's got some weird black comedy kind of moments. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's almost like burn after reading and, and no country for old men would be good bedfellows to this. Um, okay. You know, if you wanted to kind of find a stylistic choice, which is why the Hulu series is going to be interesting. Cause they could easily, they don't do, if they don't really lock onto that tone, um, they could screw this up pretty easily. So, so it's just, uh, you know, it's giving me curious. Would there be, um, like, as you're saying that I'm thinking of, uh, would there be a unique look to it? Because the, you know, at least the art that I've seen, especially the cover art, mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's really glossy and just very honestly, Norman Rockwell-esque. It's yeah. one of those things that I, I would, I have passed over because I didn't, you know, wasn't drawn to that sort of glossy look. Um, but yeah, you know, is that a stylistic choice? Is that part of the, the telling of the story that it has to look that way? No. I mean, the covers are always kind of Norman Rockwell-esque, I think, uh, right. uh, on purpose, the uh, the actual art itself may hint at that a little bit, but it's it's not overtly that. You know, there's a there's a muted color palette through most of it. Um, oh, okay. You know, you've got the same kind of which works well because it's it's you know it's I think the way it's drawn and colored for the comic works incredibly well for the story. As far as the you know, as you say that out loud, my mind was immediately drawn back to my problems with American Gods, which American Gods the way you read it and on the page, it's a, it's a bleak kind of monotone vision visual that it paints for you, you know, with the occasional, you know, high contrast splash of color when it makes sense. The TV series just goes way too far down that road and doesn't, it's, it's, it's too flashy, too colorful. And I think that's, that's jarring for that story. Um, this could end up being a similar sort of situation where if they don't, yeah, again, that true detective palette, I think would work really well for this. Gotcha. But you got to have that those moments of 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 you know levity or those moments of humor. So I I don't know. Maybe maybe when you're executing this for the screen, it w it does make sense to kind of paint everything in a nice sort of you know maybe there's maybe there's some unsettling nature of making this just as as and you know as as colorful and as interesting as possible with you know knowing that all these like crazy shitty things are going on under the surface. Um, hmm. 
I don't know. There's that's again, that's that's a whole other. I'll be really curious to see how they do it. And it's I'm also it's it's interesting. Hulu was the one to uh, to to get the rights. I know there was it was there was a bidding war for a little while. And that's when I kind of um, quit paying attention because I just you know I, who knows how long that's going to go on. So it's it's interesting. Hulu got it. Um, and if they spend the right kind of money on it, the, the trick with that is going to be who they cast because it is a really strong ensemble cast. If they get that right, I think that will be, everything else will kind of fall into place behind it. Huh. So how did you discover this? Wow. Um, was this one honestly, of those like $1 issues? From yeah, okay. I, I do believe, cause I, you know, it's always one of those things you see when you walk into a store, when you go on image.com, like you always see it. Yeah. You're always like, what is what is this? So I honestly think it may have been, um, yeah, because we started doing this show in 2015, and I think that one of those first image sales we discovered, mm-hmm. I grabbed um, either issue one or maybe that or volume one um, for like you know three bucks or whatever they were like discounting it to, and just fell in love with it. Oh, and okay. then just from there, I just had to consume everything, and I've been. And it, the trick is, I uh, I'm trying to much much like uh, another series I love called um, They're Not Like Us. I'm trying to stay away from single issues because it really. It's it's it flows so much nicer when you can read a you know, you can binge a volume at one time so yeah. you get that feeling of a TV you know of a season of a series because they do really like each volume starts and ends you know kind of like a season so when when you finish a volume you can go on and it's it's very enticing to go on but you also feel like okay I can pause and go to lunch if I need to or, or go about my day um, yeah you know you get that that sort of feeling of like okay that's the story for now and I can keep going but like each issue individually week to week or you know month to month even just it it would stretch it out too far you need to kind of consume this at a at a pretty fast clip to really feel the the tension building i do think that's um we've talked about that before you know single issues or trades and we got some heat from uh <laughs> our friend drew um who's absolutely correct that like without the single issues they wouldn't be able to make the trades um but uh there there just definitely is some something I think specifically with a lot of these image titles we read where keeping up with the single issues or the weight you have to have between single issues, it, it kind of kills the momentum of reading it, you know, because they're, they do such a good job of presenting it in an arc and like in a story. It's not so much like a Batman single issue where I don't mind picking up single issues of Marvel and DC comics because that'll just sort of let me know what's going on in the arc and, you know, in the general storyline, and then I can I can pick up more if I'm interested, or uh, wait for the trades. I don't know. Well, it's interesting because it, the other another book I'm reading as we speak is uh, Batman: The White Knight. Which oh, really? A, yeah, and I freaking love that series. It's three. It's three in, and yeah. I it, they're setting it up in such a way that you have to read them as single issues. Like you can't. I think if it, I'll gladly buy the trade when it comes out, just for collector's purposes. Yeah. But the story itself really feels comfortable. That's As you, awesome. you read it, you stop, you kind of just wait. And then like you kind of let enough time pass in between. So you, you, you don't forget so much as it, you know, you kind of have to you lose some of that familiarity when the next one comes around again. And you're like, Oh, that's right. And it, you kind of re-engage your brain a little differently. I Dif- only heard about white Knight this week when number three came out um, and went to my comic shop yesterday and they only had two and three. So I don't have number one yet, so I can't start reading. <laughs> you really need number one. It's not one of those you can just jump in. It's, it's, you know, it's obviously I'll, a limited I'll have series. To get it on comicsology. It's but, great uh, though. It's fantastic. It's, uh, yeah. It's one of the one I added it back to my pull list. <laughs> 
So. I'm, I'm, and, and by the way, we can get into this in another episode. I, if they were, if Warner Brothers wants to do a standalone Joker movie, this is the story for that movie. I mean, you, you read this and you're like, oh my god, because it's, it's, it's barely about the Joker. I mean, it is, but it's, you know, the whole premise is, uh, you, the Joker finds a way to cure himself and becomes Jack Napier, the man again. And it's like, and it and turns the tables on Batman in an interesting way. So it's like this is kind of the best Joker movie that has never been made. I mean, even the the sorry, I'm kind of cramming in another another pick <laughs> into this episode. <laughs> um, so anyway, go go read that. The other thing I was going to mention about about Postal, they did um, last year. They did kind of this weird. So so Top Cow, if you're not familiar, is a is you know one of the partners of Image. You know his little imprint is called Top Cow, and. They there's two other titles on Top Cow. One's called the Tithe, and one's called Think Tank. And last year they had this crazy idea to do this like you you know uh, universe tie-in limited series where they had Postal, the Tithe, and Think Tank in a three-part crossover. And and those two titles I sort of kept an eye on. I'm not really a big fan of the the Tithe. Um, interestingly enough, there's a character from the Tithe that has appeared in Postal a few times. Um, so that they made that crossover sort of organic, but I really didn't want those other two stories honing, you know, honing in on this, this story it just kind of felt weird and disconnected. So if you're a fan of like the top cow verse, like it, that, you know, it was interesting to see them try that sort of a, an event crossover. It just hmm. didn't, didn't feel as fulfilling. So if you're, if you're out there looking, you're like, Hey, should I, should I read that crossover? If you want to go ahead, it, it's sort of, it's definitely its own kind of thing. It's kind of a tangent. From the uh, the real you know the, the main postal narratives, but you know it's it's it worth a peek. Just uh, it's not something I would have gone back to if I had the chance. Interesting. Anyway, that's all for me. Once again, yeah. uh, postal uh, volume one. But honestly, Who were the creators? well, it's it was uh, started by Matt Hawkins and Brian Hill. However, I'm just now reading that uh, as of issue twelve, Hill began writing the book alone, but Hawkins um, you know kind of helps him uh, with story and dialogue. Uh, stuff and then the um, the uh, art is uh, Isaac Goodhart uh, does most of the art and then other various artists behind that. And it's by Top Cow and we are on I think about volume six, so definitely and probably definitely check this out because if Hulu is going to do a series, I think it behooves of us to to be caught up on the comic side uh, before that series starts because I feel like it's it's the comic itself is perfect. So the series is either going to be just as good or it's not going to be good at all. So it's kind of having this already in hand, I think is, is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, awesome. You will <laughs> not be surprised at all to learn that my pick is also from image comics. Of course. <laughs> hey, we avoided them entirely in the last episode. I think we did. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, so I've chosen uh, bitch planet uh, yeah, extraordinary machine. Um, this is another of those which, uh, in December of 2015, I think, uh, when we first noticed those one dollar digital sales at Image, I grabbed the first issue, and I was like two pages into it, and I just went, "Oh wow!" I like I'm in. You know, this like graphically, it was it was great, and the writing is awesome. Um, it is by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Valentine Delandro does the art. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Kelly Sue's one of those comics personas that I've followed on Twitter for years. Um, and I, anyway, I got that first edition digitally. Um, but I guess by the time that sale had happened, they were really close to the trade coming out. 
I believe maybe my maybe my date is wrong on December 2015. Maybe it was after that. But the first trade was like right around the corner. So I just held off, got the first trade, ended up getting a, the, you know, the next single issue that came after the trade, um, but then missed the next couple. And so now the second trade has come out. So, um, yeah, I'm just starting with number one because it is um, yeah, that's that's how you got to get into these things. Right. And it's on image. So the first trade is nine ninety nine. Um, I got it in print, not in digital, when I finally got the trade. Uh, and the story is a, it's funny because I, I, I Wikipedia it to just have some facts on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was <laughs> a little surprised to learn that they call this the genre a feminist dystopian, um, which is <laughs> definitely accurate. I just didn't, you know, was I, that wasn't what I would have called the genre. I would have, I would have explained the story in that way. But, um, yeah, it is a, a science fiction setting where there is a basically a a prison planet. Uh, hello, Alex Jones and Scientology um, for uh, women who are quote non-compliant, um, and so this is just colloquially called bitch planet. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it has like a, a technical name that has slipped my mind right now, it's like ACO auxiliary, uh, anyway. Um, so, uh, so there's all these women that live on, on bitch planet. Um, and, uh, it is <laughs> again, like, uh, again, I saw this on Wikipedia and was like, oh, actually that that's a perfect summation where Kelly Sue, um, described it as like, writing a sci-fi modern version of the women in prison genre from the seventies. Those, um, there were a lot with the name heat in it, like caged heat. And, uh, oh my gosh, I actually looked them up chained heat and, uh, women in cages and reform school girls, things like that. Something Um, that orange is the new black has kind of carried on. And yeah, maybe a little bit like that. Um, those were always very like those seventies exploitation films were always, uh, centered a lot around like physical violence between the women. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very much like, there's a lot of physical violence between the women and the guards. Um, but in volume one, what we learn is, um, it does, I mean, it just does such a cool way of setting up, uh, everything in this, this, you know, version of reality, this alternate uh, future or whatever, or hopefully alternate, um, where uh, there's no, you know, there are no like narrator panels that just sort of explain it to you. Um, And in fact, the first issue has this great like back and forth where you're like, you know, you're watching a woman as she gets, um, as she is uh, introduced into the prison population and, um, how she interacts with some of these, like, uh, I would say, like, it looks like a sort of virtual reality hologram that will appear from time to time to give women instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one singles her out this hologram and, and speaks to her and tells her to confess her sins. And so it's cutting back and forth between her husband appealing to basically the warden down on earth. Um, and, and telling him, you know, my wife was falsely accused uh, and we tried to remedy this and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like cutting back and forth. And, you know, for a first issue, initially it's a little, well, not a little, it's very confusing. Like you're like, wait, what is it? But when it comes together and there's sort of the punchline to that little story, there's like two little punchlines to it. 
you just you're like oh holy shit like it is such a good moment of storytelling where uh they demonstrate how crazy this is rather than just giving you like you know the star wars crawl kind of thing to introduce mm -hmm. you to the planet um so then you find out that uh there's a you know of course there's like a bureaucrat who's um he's not happy with the engagement in some of his uh like on the tv feed it's just called the feed um and not the ratings but the actual engagement you know he's got to talk these metrics um and this warden has approached him and said i have this idea for you and so it turns out that the idea that that spans through this whole first volume is um there is a sort of game of a, a rugby like game that is played all over the world um and like like soccer it has two names where most of the world calls it i, I think dumilla but um in whatever the version of the usa is it's called megaton um and so it's basically like a really rough uh i i assume a fictional game <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> if it's not i have no idea what this is um mm -hmm. but uh it's really cool how they you know there's like a little two-page spread where they explain the um the court i would call it or the like the field and then how the uh how the scoring works and how the judging works um and so basically what this warden is proposing is let's have a team from bitch planet fight all these male teams and that will definitely drive ratings and engagement mm. no one's ever seen that happen mm. so that's you know that's probably like right in the middle of the first volume and from then on so there's it singles uh or, you know it focuses in on um one character named cam and she is the she is a former athlete uh so she's basically recruited by the prison bureaucracy to put together this um this team and so we watch her assembling it and then it's kind of fun like uh based on what you said about um postal and discovering the backgrounds of like what these criminals were uh, mm -hmm. there's a cool way that cam does that where she's looking over these things and you'll see a character introduced and then down below them it will it will explain like what they're in prison for mm -hmm. um and they always have these uh just uh, not funny uh <laughs> in retrospect you know but um uh chilling i guess crimes like in in scare quotes you know like these mm -hmm. things that are accused of crimes you know it's basically like uh insubordination to the fathers who are the people that run uh earth i guess or at least the u.s um mm -hmm. yeah i'm flipping through frantically trying to find some of those me, while you do that let me ask yeah, you a few yeah. questions so like it's funny my uh, uh my original questions are like more like the logistical stuff is this just a plant a prison for people from earth or are there alternate like other planets who they you know they ship their criminals in is it kind of no all it's it's just earth um yeah it's, and it's is it humans. there's no like magic or powers or anything like that yeah. it's not like there's some like alien woman who's like you know big and like has some like invisibility power or anything mm -hmm. like that exactly or... no you is just, there just get the feeling that in this future um a a like extremely literal patriarchy has taken over the government of the united states wow that call themselves the <laughs> fathers okay and, their religion has kind of changed to conform to this patriarchy, which is a, a thing I find very interesting and contemporary because I think that's what's going on in oh, you know, uh, <laughs> modern very, society. Very um, Handmaid's Tale-esque. Right, yeah. right, right. Where people's uh, beliefs end up, uh, like religious beliefs end up reflecting sort of their political beliefs um, 
not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that religion, they, they will discuss the mother. Like when there's a funeral, they say, you know, the mother will take her or whatever. But yeah, the ruling, um, whatever it is, bureaucracy is is all men and it's called the father's. Is it a, is it like the moon hollowed out or is it like just a, a station that they've built like a, you know, like just like a floating ship or something? We don't really know. Um, at least, on, you know, on my reading, I didn't, I didn't get any specifics on that. There is, there's a part in that introduction where <clears throat> the man who's pleading for his wife, um, who's been found non-compliant and he's, he, you know, he's in the warden's office pleading, um, for her. Uh, he says it's an actual planet. You know, okay. he's like, it's not like you just put her in prison here. Like you took her yeah, to a different yeah. planet. Like we, yeah. I got to get her back. Um, it's planet nine. <laughs> That's really right. Weird. Right. Um, and then, and as they uh, begin the plans to have this megaton uh, competition with the women, uh, again, I, I just didn't get that this was like specifically laid out, but basically they find one of the fathers who is organizing the whole thing and, um, finds an architect who's designed all these, you know, great uh, buildings and other industrial places, locations or whatever mm-hmm. um, to design the arena. And so they are sending him to bitch planet and there's a discussion of how he will get there and how he basically has to be sort of frozen in this goo, you know, for the trip so that they can travel at uh you know light speed or something like that okay so, oh interesting uh, oh so it's not even nearby it's right so you get i mean or it may not be light speed but it's like um it's sort of what we've seen in in lots of other sci-fi where um for a long trip they will you know cryogenically freeze them or something like that okay well so, so it's not it's not like they're just in low earth orbit and they can come and go it's like they've literally removed them from yeah they are gone wow yeah. wow um, yeah so it, there's definitely that that definitely heightens the feeling that um, uh, that this is like anything goes on this planet, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. where it's, it is not, uh, which is really interesting because I think because of that, they, in the comic, they can show these sort of like huge fights break out between the guards and the women. And you get the feeling that like, yeah, if this were on earth, you would, you know, you would, I, I, I don't know. It, it's just sort of like they're there. So yeah, yeah. they're going to get in fights. Um, do you think, is do they ever set it up or is, is there like an arc where it's, it's implied that at some point they're just going to take over this planet and start like a new society or a new civilization? That's just these, because if, if at some point, if you put this many um, independent, strong women, like yeah. on a, you know, in a place together, eventually they're just going to go, well, we're just going to stay here and do our thing and figure out reproduction. Like after the, does that, is that intimated at all? Or is that, have they gotten to that point yet? Definitely not in the first volume. The second volume is called president bitch. So it may lean in that direction. Um, But in this one, it is, it's purely about setting up the world and, but it's, you know, it's, it's like, uh, I mean, I, I just, I, I would be hard pressed to name an image comic where the first trade is just set up. You know, this definitely yeah, yeah. felt like there was plenty of action going on. There were people that I cared for already, you know, where I was like, Oh, I want to know more about her. And, um, and, and just the world that's created with this, this patriarchy and the fathers and the, how the religion is different. Um, just really like all of that just kept me reading, you know, it was definitely like a one sitting read for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's uh oh i did find one of those crimes that i i thought was probably one of my favorites where this one woman when they introduce her the little uh text below her introduces her name and says her crimes are seduction and disappointment wow <laughs> wow <laughs> disappointment um Jesus. yeah so um i you know it's uh it, yeah, it is a great feminist sci-fi book. Um, and the graphically, I, I mean, you you saw some of these graphics. I just don't, you know, I think in a lot of places, the the drawings of the character is very image-like. You know, it mm -hmm. is not, um, it's not superhero-y. You know, the people are, um, I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard in a lot of image comics to describe what that style is. And not that the style is similar between image books, but when you read something like Saga or Bitch Planet, um, they just don't look like superhero books, but they have sort of the colors and the panel movement of a normal superhero book. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I place it. You know, very, I mean, it's a little bit like East of West, but um, not as. Uh, nuanced or something as east of west so what i think yeah. is very cool about this graphically is they do a lot of great like when they do stuff on a screen it is very cool mm -hmm. um and then i think the way that the panels flow is just awesome like i have not been that into like all the panels in a book in a long time you know so mm -hmm. it probably would work great on um like a guided view through comiXology but I think it works, you know, um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying like it succeeds so well in print with the panel flow. Um, yeah. Well, I think as you say, as you're saying that I'm going through some of the uh, images gives you kind of the preview windows Yeah. and the panels aren't just like, you know, the grid panels. A lot of them are right. kind of juxtaposed and stuff. And I think more importantly, this really has a pulp. Uh, look to it that I think works better on print, both in terms of the covers. Covers are really like, you know, any of those like Buck Rogers looking kind of covers. It, it yeah. reminds me of that. And then the interior too just has kind of a retro, you know, golden era sort of vibe to it that I feel like it would be not as not as well consumed digitally. Um, I'm, I'm, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I mean, um, well, one of the other fun things about it is at the end of every issue, they have the sort of back page that the old like 70s and 80s comics had with the crappy ads in it for like oh, neat. classes and stuff. But yeah. these are all made um, just very tongue in cheek to fit the world that they're in. So the, mm. this one that I'm looking at right now says like, hey, kids, patriarchy. <laughs> wow. And, it's, and one of the ads in that, you know, silly 70s style with like they're just sort of... Um, crappy typeface that that extends along the top of the ad while also shrinking you know mm -hmm. um it's advertising a product called gino ties <laughs> <laughs> and it's a patented 3d gino coin with 25 lessons in ginotism um it's basically about it's like a hypnotist a hypnotism coin um but it's about how to uh ginotize your romantic rival so that she becomes a feminist and turns off all the men. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. And it with a, when they play Mary fuck kill, you'll never be kill again. <laughs> See, I like that kind of stuff. Cause it's, I'm not saying Alan Moore invented that sort of fake, um, 
just like non Alan Moore is really good at like kind of coming up with all that other stuff, all that other context around his stuff, whether it be uh, Watchmen or uh, more importantly, I think more, more recently like league of extraordinary gentlemen. He does that a lot. Like a lot of those league books, it's like, yeah, there's the main comic, but then there's like, here's a novel. Here's a little, like, like all these things in the same book that somehow relate back to the story or at least contextualize that world. I think a lot of image creators have taken a cue from that. I know. Oh yeah. Um, I know Nowhere Men does that exceptionally well. Uh, probably a book I'll be talking about on another episode. And I think, um, oh, uh, Southern Cross does that same thing. And I'm all, honestly, now that I'm saying that out loud, I'm wondering if the same people who do Southern Cross aren't involved with this because the art kind of looks, I don't know, just has that sign of kind of flow to it. I'm going to look that up for a second. Let me ask you this, well, though. Yeah. Is this is this something, because as I'm looking through the, the, co the covers are so good looking. Should I get individual issues um, or is there a benefit to getting the trade? Like, do they give you any kind of extra, extra? That is a really great question. In fact, I'm not totally sure, but um, uh, I don't have one of my single issues near me. Uh, the um, I was going to say the single issue might actually have more of those supplementary pages in them. Mm, okay. um, I do think, I do think they're, they're definitely, I, I'm sorry that I'm not positive on this. But there, I believe, is a letter section mm -hmm. um, in the single issues that you're not going to get in the trade. But story-wise and art-wise, uh, I I think you're going to love the trade. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's something that like I described how I, <clears throat> you know, got got the first issue and the trade was almost coming out around the same time. So I just picked up the trade. So I'm perfectly happy to grab these trades i like you know it's a it's a great arc but obviously you would be supporting the creators i think that um it really would work great digitally mm. uh it, despite the pulp look i actually think it's it's such an updated pulp look you know it's such a modern pulp look that i think that would be pretty cool on a digital device so um yeah it could uh, it, yeah i don't i don't know it's um it's not so much now, what I maybe have it have like a misimpression of postal, but because it's not centered on like a mystery like that or something, mm -hmm. it's not like the arc. Uh, although I read it all in one sitting, um, I don't, you know, I don't think you're going to kick yourself if you're waiting from month to month on the single issues. Okay, because it's um, it definitely unfolds. Ugh. It may be in a, you know, maybe Orange is the New Black is a good parallel because it's, you can watch it as sort of like these are different episodes, you know, and, okay. you know, and by the time it gets to the end of the issue, um, it feels like the end of the issue. You know, there's sort of mini arcs within each issue. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's good. It feels like the end of the episode is what I meant to say. Okay. So, okay. Um, although this, you know, the whole arc is tied together for the trade, um, the individual issues feel like episodes. And in fact, like one of the issues in here, is a flashback just telling the backstory of one character and when they do that flashback they go into this more like daniel close uh art style oh weird um, okay so it looks more sort of you know i would presume like early 2000s um indie comic because yeah, that's yeah that's the time period they're trying to illustrate you know that's great uh, i love that yeah so that kind of stuff is just um yeah, it's I, all the details about this. It's this is one of those image comics where the the graphic design is so freaking great. It feels uh, like this is a comic series that rewards people like you and I who have kind of a familiarity with style and you know just like other other series. Like, would you give this to somebody who is brand new to the medium? 
Uh, probably not brand new to comics because there is enough of the, I mean, the panel layouts are never confusing, but mm. it's not always a left to right, top to bottom, you know, next page, left to right, top to bottom. And there are several, like there'll be a large panel that's broken up between these sort of, um, I, I, I guards is maybe the best term, but they're sort of prison overseers who are talking to each other mm. and they'll sort of intersperse a large panel with little tiny panels of the two of them having a conversation. So you're kind of breaking out of the main action to read their commentary on it. And there are enough things like that that happen that it's not, this is definitely not a good intro to comics book. Yeah, um, And it's definitely like a, you know, it's mature. Uh, volume two came in a plastic bag for me. Mm. So um, there's a lot of oh, nudity wow. and violence. Um, never in an, like, I don't think in an exploitative way, uh, mm. other than the fact to portray that the women in the comic are being exploited, you know, yeah. or otherwise abused. But um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's never cheesecakey, like pinup superheroes kind of. Yeah. Like yeah. That. When so, I was looking through some of the art too, and I noticed like any of the nudity, it's just, it's very, just, it's portrayed in a realistic sense. Again, just like orange is the new black where it's like, you're not, it's not sexualized. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, I, that's, that's a really interesting question. Like, I, I wonder where you are in the scale of like, you know, reading comic books that you get to where this is really going to appeal to you. But I just, the, especially if you like sci-fi stories, yeah. it, this is awesome. And especially if you, if you like the genre of feminist dystopia, um, <laughs> this is great. I mean, you mentioned the handmaid's tale. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, there's such good parallels to that. And it's such a good story to be, uh, you know, talking about like in these days, um, of, of men exploiting their power and getting busted for it, that it's, you know, it's just very timely and it's a, yeah, really great story. And it's really well put together. I think the, uh, the, uh, current events actually might make me even more interested. Like just from a, right. from a, uh, appreciator of the medium, I'll, I'll definitely want to pick it up. Cause it's something I've always seen, but I'm like, what is this? Like somebody explained to me what this is before I grab it. Cause I don't have any, I, I, I would thumb through it and go, what, what is this? Like, what is you this know, supposed to be? So I'm glad is, you finally yeah. reviewed it. So I can be like, okay, I can finally, like, I can finally go down that road. That is such a great point because I, for the longest time, that's what I thought. And even after I had that single digital issue and I was so into the art and the, the great way it was presented, I didn't really know what the story was about, you mm -hmm. know, like where, where was it going to go with the next issue? So it was, it was really fortunate for me that the trade came out so quickly after I got that first issue, mm -hmm. uh, because I was able to just get it all at once. Um, if I had only gotten that first issue, I might not have picked up the second one. You know, I would have thought it was really cool, but I probably, mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have gone issue to issue, but now that it's yeah. there deep in, it feels like, yeah, you could, you could, um, you know, maybe just start picking those up, but I will note this. I, I'm not, to, I, I don't know the history of publication or whatever, but I did notice when I went to image today that they, it looks like they are currently on issue number 10. So there are two trades out, but that is all the issues so far. Yeah, I noticed the, that too. Distance between number nine and number 10 is like six months. Like one was in November and the next in April. So uh, it may be on hiatus or something. Um, yeah, it may as be, are so many series that I love. So it's not right. surprising. <laughs> It may be well. I know the uh, the author is working on something else at the moment too. So maybe 
she's been um you know kind of consumed with that and also maybe too like another good example we've brought up citizen jack a few times i've actually it's 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 interesting citizen jack stopped um at the end of volume one of the trade but it was definitely meant to continue i actually tweeted the the writer going hey are you guys going to keep going and strangely enough they responded back like you know basically because of the election it's 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 too real they they can't they just didn't have the the impetus to keep going because it was almost what they were writing was mirroring the world too closely. Right. And I'm wondering too, if this, there's not some of that, whether you know, the author's just like, Oh my God, there's like so much, yeah, so much I, this is not escapist anymore. <laughs> like well, what do I do? Exactly. And I haven't followed, um, like I said, the publication history, but definitely the vote issue of, you know, the president bitch series um, came out the week of, last year's election. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it may be that once they wrapped up that arc, they were like, this is too real. Um, and uh, you know, just, it just put it on hiatus or something. Which is uh, interesting too, because what a great opportunity to use art to completely, uh, you know, comment on the current society. Like a lot of the stuff from a lot of the best films from the seventies commented on the time. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, and I, un I totally understand. Like if you as a creator, like I just can't right now, yeah, it's completely fine. But it's an interesting opportunity, nonetheless, to say something really profound about the times we live in through, you know, through this medium. Definitely. Um, and Kelly Sue, uh, she also did Pretty Deadly, which I think is with Image. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I just I just clicked over to look that up. It looks like that has actually wrapped up as well. Okay. So, and it was 10 issues. So maybe that's, um, you know, the arc she prefers. That's that would be cool, too. Uh, did you um did is there any thought did, was this optioned at all like is she somehow pulled into a tv series and better better question whether or not that's the case should this be made in your mind a series of any kind or is this the best uh, format for it yeah that's so hard and i ask you about that um related to the jim henson book you know in our last episode because that was an actual screenplay that someone turned mm -hmm. into a, a comic um i i'm really tempted to say that this is you know, I, volume one, I'm just speaking for volume one. It is such a like perfect synthesis of the ideas and the presentation and mm -hmm. the, you know, just the art uh, that it, you couldn't improve it with a, a TV show for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that there is, it, yeah, maybe a TV show is not the best route for it, but maybe a movie, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, that might work even better because I can definitely see this as like, you know, act one of a, of a movie. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not in a rush to start making TV shows out of, um, all my favorite comic books. Um, but I do, I think there's, you're, when you bring that up, it speaks to a bigger idea, which is so many of these image books, um, they do tell like one trade paperback is basically like it's a season, even yeah. if it, even if it wouldn't turn into a season's worth of episodes for somebody. Um, that's, that's very much how we feel like uh, black science, for example, where mm. it feels like this, you know, they're on book six or something. And it's just season after season of these books coming out. Like this story I keep hoping will wrap up, but it seems like they've just got legs and they can just keep going. Mm. Um, whereas bitch planet, maybe they're done with volume two and if so, yeah, that's like a perfect, you know, if you want to make a movie of it, that's great. But these two books stand on their own. I think a movie, and I'm looking kind of at just the uh, kind of the summaries of all these trades as you're going. And and I, you're right. I think a movie would be a better, 
um, a better a better format for it, as long as it's not directed by Zack Snyder, because it seems like oh, he Lord. can't yeah. he can't get that. I I do interesting to comment on. We've we've mentioned this a few times. I wonder if in the wake of Kirkman and Walking Dead, if a lot of these image creators are writing for the screen anyway. You know, it's it's and I I can't just say that yeah. as a blank statement, but a lot of the books I like that feel cinematic. I wonder if that's not on purpose because everybody wants some of that walking dead money, you know, at the end of the day. I, I mean, um, yeah, that's, I, I feel cynical for saying that, but that has crossed my mind many times. And well. I'm not saying that's the case here by any, by any minute, but there's definitely a few things like Southern cross is, I, I just, I look at that and go this, I love the comic. I love the graphic novel, but this would be better as a show because you need hmm. to hear there. You need to hear audio and music, and there's there's other things that have to really sell that story. And it just it's kind of, and again, the the, the Southern Cross creators could be like, screw you, this was meant to be a book. Like we don't want to option. I mean, and then fair right. play. But even things like I mean, my my classic example is uh, is uh, they're not like us. Like that thing is. Yeah. That and even No Mercy, both of those titles are just like they are. They are shows. They are shows. Like just yeah. make and Postal, obviously, which we just reviewed. Like those are shows that I'm glad exist in book format, but they're shows. Like let's just be honest. Like what I'm reading is basically a storyboard for a show. Well, so it's, you know. yeah. There's a bit of that too, where um, uh, Bitch Planet walks a real fine line between that art and graphic design thing. I mean, I think it leans heavily into the comic book art. But it definitely you you take away a very a, like a digital impression of a lot of it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, certainly because it has so many digital screens in it. But um, uh, some of those, you know, the, yeah. To me, there's a fine line because sometimes when they when comic books get a little too digital looking, they end up just looking like storyboards for TV or movies. Yeah, you yeah. know. And so that's where it kind of crosses for me. Like, is the um, I have a hard time picturing Chew as anything but a comic book or maybe an animated series mm -hmm. because it just, you couldn't get it as wild looking in a, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> um, what do you want to call it? Like a human represented drama would not be as crazy looking. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, whereas East of West, you could probably get a pretty good cinematic, like sci-fi look on it. You know, I don't know, man. I, the more I think about it, as much as I would love an East of West series, I just there's so many things that occur in oh, that story oh, that I'm like point. I like don't know. Yeah. Well, point. and there's there's certain characters, there's certain very fantastical looking creatures and characters that I'm like I I don't know That's if we need that as I mean I I I, yeah. I go back and forth and then first I was like oh no I'm gun ho but now I'm like I don't know man there's certain things that if they don't have the budget to do it I'd rather they not do it at all you know it's yeah, just like I point. go into it full full blast. Now I say that, and who knows? In two years from now, they'll probably do like an East to West series. It'll be the greatest thing ever. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, and so I mean, you know, the comics medium gives uh, creators like um, uh, <laughs> I just forgot the East of West creators Hickman, um, Hickman, um, and Dragata. Yeah, yep. they have such a like that's the comics is the perfect medium for them to explore how big they can make this world and this mm -hmm. mythology and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and that so that makes it perfect. That's like untranslatable to, you know, to screen, I think. Um, yeah. You always have to kind of like pull out a lot of the details. And the reason we love a comic like East of West is because it has all those crazy details and so much like lore and all that kind of stuff um, that you can just really dig into and savor. Uh, and plus, the, it just looks beautiful. And you're right yeah. about the big events. And then I think of like, you know, you could probably... Um, there could, 
have some really great looking cinematography that would mimic some of those panel layouts and some of those really interestingly designed things that Dragat has done. But I, it's just, you know, it's going to pale in comparison to like the way they did it first. So, yeah. And, and the only reason I'm, I'm passionate about that question and I keep bringing it up is I feel like we're to the point now, well, not now, but we have been to the point for quite a while, maybe the last five or six years where, um, you know, prior, I mean, you could have made a good case that like, you know, a comic should be, you know, we should always be trying to figure out how to translate this to TV and, and, and movies. Like that, that'll be a better format for these stories. Right. And I think comics have gotten so sophisticated and graphic novels have gotten so good that it's, it's worth like putting kind of a, a firm foot down and saying, no, 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 this is the format for this thing. Don't, it, it stands by itself on the strengths of this medium. Don't try to mess with that. And it's, you know, and, and, and granted, some stories will straddle both. They'll be like, oh, no, this is a great graphic novel, but it also can in, be enhanced or, or tweaked a bit for, for video or film in a way that's, that's palpable. Yeah. Um, again, Postal is a great example. Like Postal, I think this, there can never be a series made and I would be completely satisfied. And if they make a killer series, I'll be equally sad. I'll be like, oh, it's just as great. Because hearing those characters, you're know, giving those characters more to do, you know, in a series or hearing them talk or hearing like what kind of, you know, what kind of music will be added that will enhance the story or, or make it worse. You know, like there's all those questions kind of line up. And I'm perfectly, I, I, it's tricky too, because we've seen an example this year where something that worked really, really well on the page in my mind, and I, I know there's a lot of detractors to this, but a lot of people, you know, who love that American God series, like the, the series just isn't as good. Mm. It just it fails the page, and I, I'm a little bit more worried about you know if if more studios and networks start to scoop up options on these series, um, like Wicked and Divine is another good example. Like that had been you know I forget who had started developing that or what you know what production company was trying to develop Wicked and Divine. But that could easily, like, I just, I see that if, if they, you know, you could screw three things up and the whole thing, fall, you know, fails. So it's just like, I don't know if I want that out there. Um, we haven't talked about Wicked Divine since we gave up on American Gods, but that at the time was, I, I believe we brought it up on a podcast even was like, if American Gods succeeds, that's the template for Wicked and Divine. And, and actually, and what they're doing, with, it's it's so funny. What they're doing with American Gods would work. It's like that same, every every element involved would have worked so much better on Wicked and Divine. Right. It's like, it's like everything we're seeing here is perfect for that story. Stop. Like American Gods is a is like a, just, I, and I don't know who, I don't want to make this an American Gods cast part three, but like, <laughs> I don't know. People have asked me since, they're like, well, who would you have put in, you know, who would be the perfect showrunner? Who would be the perfect director for that? I don't know. Like and that's and, and the fact that I couldn't easily give you an answer makes me wonder if that should have even been adapted at all. Which goes back to this question of what things in the graphic you know graphic novel medium or comics medium should or shouldn't be adapted. And 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 again, the strength of these books, we need to start thinking about these things. As, it bothers me because, like you know, the you know people in the in the mainstream will go, well, it'll be adapted, thinking that like this is a lesser medium. So like you know, once it becomes a TV show or a movie, then it's real. It's like no, 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 no. This this medium has gotten so strong. We need to start thinking almost the other way around. Like what thing you know is the graphic or comics medium a better outlet for some stories than TV? Just because this medium can do things that those other mediums can never do. You know, like what is that? Um, just being mindful of that. Anyway, that's that's a rant for another day. Yeah, no, it's a good rant. I think it's um, I, I like talking about the image books in that way. I mean, specifically, it's it's always image to me. I mean, I think with DC and Marvel, there's there's such a huge universe that it's hard to 
you know, talk about which, but maybe it's kind of like you brought up with white Knight. Like maybe that's the mm-hmm. perfect arc to tell a Joker story, but you know, by the time they you know, convert it into a movie, it'll be just <laughs> miles yeah. away from its source material. Um, yeah. Marvel and DC are not good at just sort of sticking to the script in those, in those senses. Well, it's, it's uh, funny too. Cause you're like, literally everything is all the work is done for you. Just take, take these panels and use them as storyboards and just make these things. Exactly. And we already know the characters. I did think of one exception to bring up and um, which is great. Not, not from Marvel DC, but it's great for uh, disproving our point, which is, or I don't know, you know, presenting an alternative, which is if stranger things didn't already exist, paper Um, girls would be, a perfect Netflix series. Okay. You know, it's just a little too close uh, right now, but mm-hmm. maybe with some distance, it, it would work great. But it, um, it would just at this point be seen, I think too much as like a stranger things knockoff, but paper girls, I think could really work as a series and you could keep it going for a few seasons, you know, mm-hmm. um, just mm-hmm. because of that crazy world that they're developing. So. Interesting. Well, I think that sums it up before Definitely. I get on the tangent train. Too I know. We just talk about TV and movies for the next hour. So where can people find our podcast? Well, Todd, we are online. Uh, anywhere podcasts are sold, iTunes, sold or downloaded. iTunes, Stitcher, um, Pocket Cast, Google Play. Just look for the Todd and Taylor show. Um, there's also other uh, podcasts we do on there. So uh, check those out as well. You can find all of our stuff at findusthere.org findusthere.org and then online our hashtag or username is find us there uh so check us out check out the todd and taylor show and share it with your friends let us let you if you have a friend who's interested in comics or pop culture or geek culture um we've got a, a nice kind of stable of evergreen shows in our in our uh, back catalog a lot of those are going to be going on youtube very soon so you'll be able to share them that way but yeah give give a friend the todd and taylor show let them know what they thought if you like this episode share this one um and let us know what you think too give us a comments feedback we love it all we love to we'll, we'll you know name check if you have an interesting thing to say great thank you taylor uh, i will talk to you soon and we will catch you all next week for another coffee and comics